I am uh, so grateful to be with you all today. Um, grateful that uh, Pastor Dan and the staff um, have seen it fit um, to make sure that you begin 2024 focused on the idea of what does it look like to continue to disciple the next generation. I, obviously, I think that that's important. 30 years in youth ministry, um, I've worked at six different churches in those 30 years, um, and I continue to love uh, adolescents. I continue to love that, that, that age group um, because there's so much going on, uh, and there continues to be so much uh, going on there. Um, I'll get into how I got into ministry in a second. Um, my, uh, my family, um, we uh, live in Pasadena uh, at the moment. Uh, my wife, Shannon, she is a television producer. She works in the industry. Um, she currently works for a show, a travel documentary food show. Um, my daughter, Ryan, uh, is 20, uh, and she is in college at the University of Durham uh, in England. Uh, and so we just sent her back to England. Um, I actually texted her and I said, hey, it's going to be zero tonight, which is zero Celsius. And she was like, ooh, that's gross. Um, she goes, welcome to my world, which um, is just really true for her. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I represent that family. My, my parents uh, live in Huntington Beach, even though I was born in Virginia. They're from Virginia. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's probably enough uh, that you need to know about me for, for the time being. I, I, I come here today because um, I want to share with you a little bit um, about, about what Jesus says. Um, and, and I think uh, as we begin, I want to center us on, on Jesus' words, not, not me, but, but Jesus' words, because Jesus' words are the most important words that we can hear, right? Amen? So, so, so let's center ourselves on, on Jesus' words, and, and, if, and if you brought your scripture with you, brought your Bible with you, brought your you know, phone that has your Bible uh, on it, um, then you can open to Mark 10. Uh, Mark 10, uh, I'm going to start at verse 13, and I'm going to tie these two pieces together um, and some other pieces as well, but these two pieces in particular um, are, are really important for our time, not only today, um, but next week as well when um, Dr. Argue comes um, and shares with you as well. So um, I, I, Mark 10, uh, I love this passage and I love these passages, uh, starting at verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit in eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. 
No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then says, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, we give you thanks for these words. These words that Mark remembered, that he wrote down, put them on a page thousands of years ago so that we might hear this story. We're grateful for these words. And so God, in your mercy and grace and through your Holy Spirit, would you make these words come off of the page and alive in our experience like never before? For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in high school, I was um, a soccer player, played soccer. Uh, I was a goalie, and uh, I loved that position. Um, I, I was also on the track team, uh, and I ran uh, the 400, which is a terrible thing to do to children. <laughs> and I pole vaulted, which was really fun. And I've done things in my life uh, outside of all that stuff. I'm, I'm a surfer, and yes, I did get out in some of the big waves that were in California recently, which was super fun for me. So at some level, the, the, the bow tie is a little... Um, restrictive. <laughs> but it follows on something in my life that I always thought is that, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm good at something, I, I love being good at it, but I, I always wanted it to make it, it look good while I was doing it. When I was a kid, I knew exactly what I wanted in life, and I had, had this picture of myself. And that picture of myself was, was a person who was going to become a pilot uh, when he grew up. I wanted to be a pilot. How did I know I wanted to be a pilot? Because I would sit at third base in T-ball and I would just stare up at the sky at, at planes. And I knew uh, by the age of uh, 11 which plane I wanted to fly. I wanted to fly F-16s in the Air Force. And specifically that plane because it was kind of the best of the time. It was like that was the... That was the the, like, the, the plane out flew humans, and it, it, it still does. It's just, it's an amazing piece of engineering marvel as far as I'm concerned. But I wanted to fly that plane because they had them at Ramstein Air Force Base, Germany, which was near the factory 
that they produce Porsches in. And I like 911s because my neighbor had one and I thought they were the coolest cars. And I thought, man, how, how we put together the two things that are great in this world. And then, you know, if I was out there, then it would make it really easy for me to get on the Autobahn and drive up and down the Autobahn really fast in my Porsche while I was had a, a fast plane and this was gonna be my life. I could have told you that without notes. Like I, I just, these are the things that were in me. And I was like, this was what my life was going to look like. And I was on a trajectory to get there. My degree is in, in aviation, a bachelor's degree. But I also can tell you about that kid, more looking back than, than in the time, that I was highly insecure. I was ashamed of my family. I was struggling to fit in. I didn't have the grades. As a matter of fact, I graduated high school with a 2.1 GPA. And if you take away all the A's that I got in PE, then it was like a 1.9 something. <laughs> got into college, surprise, surprise. I wanted everything to look nice on the outside, but internally I was struggling. I was struggling with who I was and what was going on and where I was gonna be, even though I had this picture of what was, what was happening, where I wanted to go, this vision. A few years back, um, COVID times, my family decided we were gonna do a puzzle over Christmas break. Daughter was done, and a big you know, dining room table. Nobody was coming, so we would just use the dining room table to start a puzzle, 2,000 pieces, and I'm pretty sure we hadn't done a puzzle since like the like 12-piece puzzles that you do with your kids, right? And so we like made a big jump to 2,000 pieces. We're overachievers. We just were going for it. And anybody who does a puzzle, especially those who are novice puzzlers like us, I don't know that we've ever done a puzzle since, Knows you start with the edges, right? Because you can find the flat sides or whatever. Like, we're not smart enough to kind of figure out the colors and all the things. We're like, look, flat sides, we can do that. So you can start with the edges. You start with the, with the frame and the outside because that gives you a structure. It gives you an understanding of how big it's going to be and, and, and what you need to do in the center. And then you kind of separate it by color. And then the colors all mix together. And when you start a puzzle, you know that you need some patience to, to do the puzzle, especially one of that size, right? You know that you need a vision of what the puzzle is going to be, and, and graciously, the puzzlers that give you puzzles give you a picture of what it's supposed to look like. Can you imagine doing puzzles that didn't give you a picture? It's going to take some grit, right? Like, you're going to have to come back to it. You're not going to get it all done in one, one swing, and you've got to ask for help. Because you can't see after staring at puzzle pieces for so long, you're going to be like, I can't, they're all melding together. We know what it looks like on the outside, but we don't know what it looks like on the inside. And I think that's true for the rich young ruler as well. The rich young ruler had followed and understood what he was supposed to do in society, what he was supposed to look like. He comes to Jesus fully understanding that he's done everything that he should do in order to inherit eternal life. 
I've followed the commandments ever since I was a boy. We find out later that the rich young ruler is also super successful, which is great. We're excited for him. We only know that he's young because of the way that the Greek talks about it. They talk about him as a, as a, as a young man. So we've got this young, successful guy who's followed the, 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 the way that you're supposed to be in the world. If you and I met the rich young ruler, we would be like, dude, you've got it going on. You got it together. Yet when he meets Jesus, when he steps into to the world with Jesus and says, what do I need to do? How can I just check off the boxes in order to get to eternal life? Jesus loves him. Jesus loves him. He loves him in the way that uh, if you're a parent, then you know this moment where you recognize that your kid has done something that you told them not to do like 10, 15, 20 times. And you're like, I'm about to tell you something that you're not gonna like, but when I tell you this, like, I love you first, right? It's like, I love you, but. And even if you're not a parent, this is the stuff that you do with your spouse or with your friends. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated with you. I love you, but. And Jesus says to the rich young ruler, go sell everything you have, one thing you lack. And then he says the same words that he said to all the rest of the disciples, come follow me. And the rich young ruler makes a different decision than the 12 that are standing near Jesus. Y'all ever heard that? We, we, we always think like, oh yeah, well, Jesus came and said, you know, come follow me, I'd, I'd be all in. Well, he makes a different decision. He steps away, sad. Now we don't know what happened with the rich young ruler. I've always been intrigued with what happens because he's like, he goes away sad because he had great wealth. And we don't know if he went away sad knowing, oh my gosh, it's gonna take me a really long time to get rid of this. He goes away sad because he realizes he has a lot of people to support. He's got some businesses. He, he's, he's doing something. He, we don't know what happens. In the same way, we, don't, we, we, we recognize like Nicodemus at the, at the beginning in, 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 um, in, in John, he, he connects with Jesus at night and then we, he like, we're like, oh yeah, Nicodemus, whatever happened. And then at the end of John, you see Nicodemus again at the, at the, at the grave. I don't know what happens with the rich young ruler, but I know that he had a rules-based faith that he was compliant to the norms of the day. And I think sometimes he represents some of the ways that we disciple kids today. Some of the ways that we think people should be successful today. 
I think he fully represents that. If, if, if we continue to create nice, successful virgins, then all is well in the world, right? I'm, I'm not a pilot. And I walked into ministry to walk away from, from, from doing something that I love. Not so that I could think that kids should be nice or successful. You see, nice is nice, nice not enough. The discipleship in Jesus requires us to give it all over to him so that Jesus might do something with it more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. So here's the three things that Jesus is challenging us. One, uh, Jesus challenges in the rich young ruler his identity. What the rich young ruler has created, that frame, that perception of, of himself, he basically says, is that enough for you? Because if that's your identity, you've got to get rid of it in order to come follow me. You've got to say no to the things that are important and come follow me. And Jesus is standing with 12 disciples who have said that. I'm not a fisherman. I'm not a tax collector. I'm not, I'm not my father's son anymore. I'm going to follow Jesus. And in that, they, he has disciples, people who are going to follow him. I think a lot of times we are what others expect of us. And I think there's a lot of pressure on kids today to be what others expect of them. When I've had this conversation uh, with my daughter and others, I think one of the things that is real is that she has said to me, I'm not blank enough. And I think that's a real important statement. I'm not blank enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not strong enough, tall enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough. What's your enough? What is the thing that you think that Jesus can't hold? What is the thing that you think makes you you that you don't think Jesus can hold or that Jesus is gonna mess up if you give it to him? You see, Jesus, Jesus wants to hold that with you. Uh, when I was growing up, they would always say, you know, you, Jesus wants to take all your stuff. And I was like, that's not cool. <laughs> Jesus wants to hold that with you. He wants to change your identity. He wants to create an image in you, that image that is more like him than less like you. <laughs> he does it with John. John is... the disciple. Up until the point in time that that disciple sits with Jesus at the Last Supper, literally sitting on Jesus, he becomes, for the rest of the Gospel of John and the three books that he writes afterwards, the disciple whom Jesus loved. There's a shift in understanding when 
John sits with Jesus and watches the, the frustration and the difficulty that he's going to, knowing that he's walking to the cross. There's something there that happens that John now believes that he is a disciple whom Jesus loves. His identity is shifted and he talks about the love of Christ in those three books afterwards in a way that no one else does. He understands the love of Christ in a way that sometimes we don't. And I think the identity of John is changed in that moment. And when we understand the way that John understands that Jesus loves us, then we can say, I am enough because what Jesus says to me and about me is the most true thing about me. I am enough because Jesus holds my stuff alongside of me. We are more than others say. We are more than our labels. We are more than our mental health, than our stereotype, than our diagnosis, than our test scores, than our trauma, than our race, than our socioeconomic status. We are more than that because Jesus is more than all of it. That's to Jesus, not to me. That's to Jesus. Two, Jesus challenges the rich young ruler's belonging. The rich young ruler belongs in the society because of what he has and how he's operated in society. We know that he's been a good guy, at least nice guy, good people. He's got great wealth and I'm sure he's shared that. He's cared for people. He's walked with people really well. But does he fit with Jesus? With Jesus' community, this new unexpected family that Jesus is creating. I love when I get to come speak in places like this because guess what? Y'all are family and whether or not you like it, Jesus has created us as family. An unexpected family of people who are trying to follow Jesus that continue to be pushed to care for each other in significant ways. And I fit in that family when we share everything. I'm not talking sharing all of our story and all the things that are deep. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, hey, when it's open, when I, when, I, when I know that I'm supposed to be caring for the community, that's where we, where we are. When I feel like I, I'm needed, where I'm, where I'm wanted. I belong when I fit. Just a few verses after this story of the rich young ruler, Jesus, tells, uh, another, Jesus engages with another man. And that engagement starts like this. Son of David, have mercy on me. Man by the name of Bartimaeus who's blind, he can't see. He's been on the outskirts of Jericho and now is knowing that Jesus is coming by. And he says, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus turns, says, bring him to me. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus says, I want to see. And in seeing, 
Jesus removes the barrier that Bartimaeus has to the community. The barrier was blindness, right? You're not helpful to the community. You gotta be a beggar on the outside. So if he's no longer blind, then he gets to engage the community. He gets to go back into Jericho and become a full member of his family. He gets to become a full member of the community. And guess what he chooses to do? He follows Jesus straight to Jerusalem. Bartimaeus was able to say, I fit because I belong with Jesus, this one who's now changed my life so that I can be a part of the community. I want to be a part of his community because that one seems to be like the one that's moving in the world. It's changing things in the world, it's shifting things so that we might be together, that we might be better for each other. Third, Jesus is challenging the rich young ruler's purpose. Rich young ruler doesn't have much of a purpose, at least from one we can tell. He was either made some money or was given some money. He's been a good guy. Cool. What what what's what what are you doing with that? What are you doing with that? Are you allowing Jesus to hold that so as you walk into the world that he's able to say, go there, do that, love that person, care for those people, and you follow in those places? What, are, what is the rich young ruler doing with that? What are you doing with what you have? See, the purpose is, is, is understanding of this moment where I make a difference in the world, Right? When I make a difference in the world, I feel like I have purpose. When I'm helping others, I feel like I matter. Not just when I'm following the script of what I'm supposed to be doing, doing what others say. It's when I see where God is moving and I go there so that I might be a part of what God's doing and give my gifts to that space. He changes Peter's purpose. After Jesus rises from the dead, Peter and his friends are fishing. Peter recognizes Jesus and jumps out of the boat, swims to Jesus, and Jesus is just there by a charcoal fire. And he asks Peter three amazing questions. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, you love me. And feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you've asked me twice. Here's number three. I absolutely love you. Then go feed my sheep. Jesus gives Peter purpose in the same way he gives you and I purpose. When we choose to follow Jesus, Jesus challenges our identity. He challenges our belonging and he challenges our purpose so that we might bring those three things in line with him. And these are the three things that we believe at FYI are important for kids to understand as they grow and as they mature in faith, that we get to help them answer those questions 
of identity, belonging, and purpose so that they might follow God, not just for while they're at home with you, but so that they might have a lifelong faith that follows Jesus as it impacts the world in a way that we've never seen before. If I understand my identity as connected to Jesus, then I will continue to move in that identity. If I understand my belonging as connected to Jesus, then I will look for others who belong to Jesus and for those who don't and invite them into that space. If I understand my purpose as driven by whom Jesus says, it doesn't matter whether or not I'm a pilot or a pastor, God's gonna use me. We have a purpose We're invited into God's bigger story. But see, here's the thing. We're having this conversation now. I want you to take this into Tuesday. Because you've got to come back to it just like you come back to a puzzle. Not just Sundays, but what about Thursday afternoon when you're out grabbing that coffee because you're trying to make it through the week? Where's Jesus centering you then? See, following Jesus in these moments is gonna take the patience that it requires to do a puzzle and beyond. You've gotta be patient with those around you. You gotta be patient with yourself. You gotta be patient with the Lord because a lot of times the things you want don't happen in the time you want it. You better have a vision of where you're going. And you don't have to have a very clear vision to be quite honest. Jesus calls us and invites us into this vision that says, I am building you for a kingdom and for a family you have yet to see. If you want a vision, you want a picture of that, go check out Revelation 7. It's going to take grit. As a pastor, a person who's followed Jesus and has loved Jesus for 30 years in front of people, I will tell you honestly, there's moments when I've wanted to walk away. but it takes me coming back to the one who called me to remember the one who called me so that I might keep walking in the way that God has called me to do. And when I have struggled, I have asked for help. You see, what I think is interesting about some of the passages that I recommended is that there's a difference between the rich young ruler and John and Bartimaeus and Peter. Because when, when the rich young ruler asked for help, he was met with the answer that he couldn't overcome. When Bartimaeus, just a few verses later, asks for help, Jesus responds and Bartimaeus follows. We will disciple kids to that depth of soul, that depth of ministry, that depth of understanding their identity and belonging and purpose if we first are walking in that in honest authenticity in our lives. 
if we're honestly walking as Jesus asks us to before he tells these stories as little children. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. What's hindering you from walking to Jesus right now? What barrier did you put in your own way that's keeping you from approaching Jesus right now? Spirit of the living God, you know us in this room. You know us as a community. You know us and what you want for us so much bigger than we could imagine for ourselves. So Lord, give us the vision that we need. You know us, God, so give us the assurance that we need that when we let go of the thing that you're asking us to let go of, that you are gonna hold it with us so that we might have a new identity like John, so that we might have a new belonging like Bartimaeus, and that we would have a new purpose like Peter. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.